I think it's just developed this, just a little bit of a different and deeper trust with, okay, you know, I, my body is growing this baby and I'm not really doing a whole lot like to make it happen. Um, and so there's a lot of trust involved and trusting that my body knows best with food has been one of those places. Living a healthy, balanced life as a mom can sometimes feel impossible. With tiny mouths to feed, butts to wipe, and so many things vying for our attention, it can be easy to feel like we're in an on-again, off-again relationship with healthy living. But it doesn't have to feel this way. I believe every mom is a super mom, and you deserve to feel like one too, and you don't have to go on another diet to do it. Join me, Kristen Dovniak, holistic nutritionist and certified intuitive eating counselor for conversations on what it means to live a healthy, balanced life. I want to help you uncomplicate eating, improve your relationship with food, and live like the supermama I know you are. Hey friends, Kristen here. Welcome back to the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. I have an awesome guest on with me today that I'm so excited for you to hear from. Victoria Yates is a registered nurse and certified intuitive eating counselor based in Westchester, New York, who focuses on helping women make peace with their bodies and rediscover joy with eating. She struggled with anxiety around food for many years, but since she discovered intuitive eating, she's come to realize that healthy is so much more than eating perfectly. She helps the women she works with accept the truth that they can trust their bodies and that they themselves are the best expert on their bodies. And I'm going to add that she is also the co-host of the brand new Embracing Balance podcast with Katherine Herbison, who was also here on the podcast. So I'm so excited to have both of them here on the podcast talking about what it means to, to live a balanced life from both of their perspectives. Victoria and I got into a really great conversation about orthorexia, something that I haven't touched on the podcast here yet. And she gave a really good definition of what it means to take healthy living a little bit too far about her struggle and how she moved away from her disordered eating and really found freedom with food. We talked a little bit about how her faith played a role in finding freedom with food and her body and what it's like to eat intuitively while pregnant and what it means to eat intuitively while pregnant. Um, She has a little baby boy coming uh, fairly soon, and so it'll be really, um, really great for anyone who is listening who maybe is pregnant now or who plans on being pregnant in the future to get her advice because she's um, she's got some really great insight on that. Um, But even if you're not, tune into this episode because she's got some really, really great wisdom to share with us. So I'm so excited for you to dig in and hear this episode. Episode. So without further ado, here is my interview with Victoria. Welcome, Victoria. Hey, Kristen. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for being on the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. I am so excited to, to chat with you. We have some really great stuff to chat about. Oh, yeah. Always always a good day when you're recording a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I know we were just talking about your brand new podcast that just released. It'll be um, yeah. probably a month old when um, this when this mm-hmm. podcast airs. Um, but I'm so excited for you having your own podcast. I'm so excited to, to listen in. So this is fun, you know, having you on here and being able to, to share yours as well. 
Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's been quite a journey. Um, both Catherine Herbison and my, uh, she's my co-host. Um, and I are so excited to just be kind of getting into this world of podcasting and just what a great avenue to just share life. I feel like I don't know about you, but I, for a while, even before starting a podcast, I was really into listening to podcasts. Actually, it's where I first learned about intuitive eating and like started to do some of the work that we'll talk about um, here on this episode, um, just about healing my relationship with food and my body and podcasts are where it started. I think it is such a great way to connect with followers to connect with listeners because like hearing from someone's voice I think is is just so much more personal and you can really hear like the passion behind what they have to share rather than like a blog post which I still love I will always be a writer at heart <laughs> but it is such a such a really cool avenue and and so I started following you probably I don't know maybe maybe a year ago um over on Instagram and you have such a beautiful Instagram account your feed is is just gorgeous and beyond Thank it just you. being gorgeous the information you share is is just it's so beautiful I love your approach to food and intuitive eating and living well um, but in a really really balanced way so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so excited to have you kind of share more about your your story with us so I would love if you would just start by just sharing your story so sharing the story of your relationship with food and how you got to to, to where you are today? Yeah, so I would say, you know, I've always, for as long as I can remember, I really have always had a passion for this whole conversation on caring for, for my body, caring for our bodies. Um, from a young age, I was really, inter- really interested in just the gaining knowledge about nutrition and how food works in our bodies. Um, just the human body in general. I'm actually a nurse too. So um, just having that background, you know, that's kind of what prompted me into becoming a nurse. Um, And then what shifted my vision and practice into um, working with women one-on-one in health coaching and intuitive eating counseling. Um, So yeah, it really just started from a young age Um, but I will say something very innocent as just wanting to care for my body and wanting to have this knowledge kind of turned into, um, something not so healthy and it turned into more of an obsession and a way to try to control my body and just control my life even. Um, so I would say around the time of late middle school, early high school, and then into college, I really struggled with um, kind of like anorexia slash orthorexia, which um, orthorexia, if you're not familiar with that, it's really just this obsession with healthy eating um, and anxiety with eating anything unhealthy. And I believe there is some overlap with anorexia. Um, and it sometimes is hard to fully separate both. I think for me, um, when I first heard, when I first was, um, dealing with some of these and and people started to recognize, my family started to recognize that what used to be just a, a pretty naive 
you know, desire to want to eat healthy turned into something more controlling that took more hold of my life than is really good. Um, my mom came to me and she was like, hey, you know, I think that this term orthorexia has um, maybe you have some more of those tendencies because I really at the time I didn't really I think partly I was in denial that I had any issue with food um, and then partly I I was I was really struggling because I was like you know I eat I eat food but it was just more of this mindset um, where I was really had a lot of anxiety with anything that was quote unquote unhealthy um, and so my my diet became very restrictive. And um, so I felt like I res resonated more with this term orthorexia. And I think that that was, um, that was healing in itself, in and of itself, just to be able to recognize, like, this is, this is a problem. That's where I first, I think, realized that the way that I was approaching food and approaching health in general and approaching caring for my body was not a healthy approach. Um, but I don't know, I'm just, I'm kind of going on a tangent, but what, what I'm trying to get at is some people say that, um, anorexia and orthorexia kind of, sometimes people label themselves as orthorexia when they really have anorexia. Um, but it's just a little bit more scary to say anorexia and I can, I can resonate with that. Um, but when you look at kind of the definitions of, of, the terms, um, there definitely is some overlap. Um, so all that to say, I, I really, at that point, recognized that I had a problem. And I will say, you know, that was a first step. But it definitely was not the end of the road for me. And it definitely took years and years and years after that to fully feel like I could embrace uh, a healthy relationship with food and a healthy mindset around food. And I didn't quite know what that would look like. Um, but that was kind of a turning point for me. Um, so from there, I, um, I really struggled with just letting go of the control. So I had recognized that I had an issue with food, but, but the problem and the, the really hard thing um, with which anyone who has dealt with um, any kind of disordered eating with food probably can relate that it's one thing to recognize that you want to change, but to actually make a change happen is really, really hard. And so um, through lots of uh, you know, meeting with therapists and um, kind of trying to get to the root of what was going on in my life um, and meeting with dietitians and trying to to reestablish, you know, what is and isn't healthy and, and how to actually live and eat in a way that was normal and not diet diety. Um, that took quite a long time. Um, but through all of that, I will say I learned so much about, uh, about myself. Um, I think any time that we go through really tough times where 
um, we're, we're really forced to do some of that internal work. We learn a lot and we grow a lot. And so that was, that was what this period of my life was all about. Um, kind of side note, as I was working through a lot of these issues um, with my relationship with food, um, I came to realize that as some people have maybe heard, you know, a lot of times when you have issues with your relationship with food, um, it's it's not always, it's often not about the food itself. Um, so I came to realize that I had this just fear of letting go of control um, and just this desire to have perfection in every area of my life. And food was um, one of those areas that I really clung to. Um, and during that time too, my that I was really struggling with um, the, this disordered eating. Um, my mom was going through some really bad, some really difficult health issues. Um, and so there was a lot of uncertainty during that time. And so looking back and, and like I said, as I was working through a lot of these underlying things that were driving my disordered eating, I recognized that um, with the uncertainty that was going on with my mom's health, I was turning to food to be the security that I thought I needed during that time. And so I, I looked to this control of food to feel like I had some kind of control over my situation. Um, and so all that to say, you know, there's oftentimes this underlying thing that we have to work through internally that has nothing to do with food. For me, it was recognizing that, you know, I, I don't have a whole lot of control over my life. Like I can control some things, but some things I can't. And just being okay with that was a huge stepping stone towards making peace with food, letting go of control, making peace with my body, um, and being open to this idea of eating intuitively. I didn't know it was called in, called intuitive eating at the time, um, but I started to little by little kind of do that work. Um, and so then fast forward a couple years, I graduated from nursing school, um, started my first job, uh, was working nights. And I, I feel like during that time, I still like I had made a lot of progress, but I still had some little things to work through. Um, but I felt like, because I was starting my first job, um, working nights, I was exhausted all the time. Anyone who works nights can probably resonate with that. Um, and really just had to let go of a lot of the things, a lot of the control that I had had and, and the strict schedule that I had had previously. So, um, I, I really was forced to, um, kind of shift the way that I was eating, um, with being on a totally different schedule I had to shift the way that I was exercising um, because I really didn't have the energy to do the type of exercise that I had previously been doing. Um, and so that was, again, another little piece to the puzzle of my recovery. And then um, about a year later, I got married. Um, and then we, my husband and I moved up to New York. Um, my husband started dental school up here in New York. Um, and that began just 
a whole nother chapter of my life. And so I, um, I was without a job for a couple of months as I was waiting on my nursing license to transfer. And I was searching for a job, you know, in that waiting period. Um, and that was also another little puzzle piece to um, kind of fit into this recovery story where I really had to, I had a lot of time on my hand. And so I did a lot of internal work at that point. And there was also a lot of change going on in my life at that point too. So um, there were definitely some times where I felt myself sinking back into this place of disordered eating because anytime we go through different changes in our life that can make us more susceptible to kind of sinking back into bad habits and bad mindsets. And so um, thankfully, that was also around the time that I, like I said earlier, first heard about intuitive eating on a podcast. And really just was like, I felt like the light bulbs just clicked in my head. I was like, this is how I'm supposed to eat. Like, this is how I was made to eat. Um, and it just made so much sense to me. And so it really was kind of a quick, like I recognized that and then just dived deep into learning everything that I could about intuitive, intuitive eating and learning how to actually practice it in my own life. And um, I recognized, you know, I'm not the only one who has a story that's similar to this story of this um, unhealthy relationship with food. It's a story that um, a lot of women have in our, in our day to day. Um, and it's, they differed. People have different stories, of course, but we, there's a lot of people that are really struggling and need this type of freedom. So I looked into how to be an intuitive eating counselor because I heard that that was a thing too. Um, and really just, just got right into it and was, I feel like I really was able to find uh, a place to help women in this way in in a way that I was really made to um, help women in. And I, I really feel like I always like to say, you know, our stories, no matter the ups and the downs and the craziness and the the hard times, the the times that we are laying in our bathtub crying and the times that we're, you know, loving life, they all have a reason. And I feel like, you know, I really was, all of my story kind of led up to this place where now I can use that history, that knowledge, that experience to help other people really overcome um, the anxiety that our society puts us, puts us on us around food and um, the story that it tells us that we have to um, have this certain view of our bodies that is not a pleasant one. So um, yeah, that's kind of the long version um, of my story. But yeah, that's, um, that is how I kind of came through going from an unhealthy relationship with food to now helping women who have gone down a similar path. 
Oh, I love that you you dug in so deep and shared so many different facets of your story. I have I love that you call them puzzle pieces too, because I think you know it's it's true in my story, and I think it's true in a lot of women's stories that it's not a linear process. To mm-hmm. you know, yeah. it, you know, sometimes it can be like a, a downward spiral. Um, and I want to chat a little bit. I want to dig a little bit deeper into kind of the concept of of orthorexia, but it can feel sort of like a downward spiral to kind of you know, losing touch with our bodies and, and maybe falling into this obsession. But coming out is, you know, I think a, a lot of women, especially, you know, when I'm talking with women about healing their relationship with food, they think that it's like, you know, something's just going to click and then all of a sudden it's going to be straight up. But it is, you know, it's it's finding these these pieces and putting the puzzle back together and really finding your balance. That's why I call it your beautiful balance because it's different for everyone. Yeah. Just like we all have our own definition yeah. of, of what beautiful is. You know, we are all beautiful in our own ways. Our journeys have different pieces and it, it comes together in this in this really beautiful story. And I I think that the, the world needs more women like you who are willing to share all of those pieces of their story because mm-hmm. I am 100% with you that our stories are given to us for a reason to, to be used for good and maybe not all of the parts of our story but I love that you you took these these different pieces of struggling with food and and building up this positive relationship with food and now you're you're sharing it with other people yeah yeah definitely so I want to dig a little bit deeper into this concept of orthorexia and you you described it so beautifully. I think that you you gave it a really good kind of description. The the idea that it's the difference between say like an, an anorexia and an orthorexia and you know we're not saying this from a clinical perspective but just from you know right. kind of layman's terms like what is the difference between anorexia and orthorexia? A lot of it is really the mindset behind it. It's that taking this concept, right, of this, like, I'm just being healthy and then taking it to the extreme. And and like you said, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of overlap with different, you know, with, with different eating disorders, whatever, you know, that um, person's story is. But I think that um, I something that I think the listener um, could really benefit from is maybe a little bit more about how does some how would somebody know if they are taking healthy living too far because we know that living a healthy life is important and living a healthy life when i say that is different for everyone right there is no one definition of healthy but how would someone know if maybe they're on this journey to you know, wanting to improve their health or you know their fitness or whatever whatever it is for them how do they know if they're taking it too far? Was there any point, you know, I know you talked about your mom um, and her maybe mentioning it to you, but was there were there any moments in your own life? Is there anything that you could um, share with a listener about, you know, how would somebody know if they're going from healthy to unhealthy? Yeah, um, so it's interesting because um, I never would have placed myself in the category as of a dieter. I never would have called myself a dieter, but um, orthorexia is kind of creating so many rules about how you should or shouldn't be eating that it ends up being kind of this, this diet that you place on yourself. Um, And so 
really what it what it boils down to understanding and maybe recognizing that may, that maybe there's not there's something not at peace with the way that you're viewing food would be um, it's it's taking up a lot of mental space in your in in your thoughts throughout the day. Um, so it's it's taking up this space where you're constantly thinking about food. You're constantly thinking about is healthy food going to be available? And if it's not, or if it's in question that it would be available, something that you feel like is a safe food, then either there's a lot of anxiety around it, or it prohibits you from actually enjoying a normal life. So it keeps you from maybe going out and hanging out with friends, or um, it keeps you from uh, you know, doing something with people, you know, it, it prevents you from enjoying the social aspects of, of life. Um, so that's a big red flag. If there is a lot of your mental space is preoccupied with the thought about, you know, is this, are, are my safe foods going to be available? Um, and going to extreme accounts to eat in this safe kind of way. Um, and that can even mean spending a lot of time um, trying to make m- trying to make food, um, prepare food to be at this standard that you have to where it takes up and, and you can't really do a whole lot of other things. Um, so those are some big red flags with maybe there's something going on with your relationship with food. And like I said, um, I don't know about you, Chris, but I talk a lot about like diet culture and, um, you know, dieting and, and how that lifestyle is not, um, not sustainable. Um, and people know that, but even to say that, or, you know, orthorexia, having these food rules, um, having this black and white thinking that certain foods are good and other foods are bad. And I'm, I'm a good person for eating a certain way and a bad person for eating another way. Um, and not allowing yourself to have that freedom to find some gray space in between that allows you to live a normal life that involves the things like I mentioned, like social outings and enjoying time with family with a clear mind that's not preoccupied by this fear and anxiety with food. Um, that, you know, those are some, those are some things to say, you know, even though it's not necessarily like, oh, I'm doing a whole 30 diet, or I'm, you know, following the Atkins diet or South Beach or, or paleo or whatnot, it's still a diet in and of itself, just, it's just your own diet that you're creating with these rules. So that's, that's essentially what orthorexia is, and some big red flags with um, maybe, you know, maybe recognizing that this is not how I really want to live. I don't want to live with this preoccupation with food all the time and this anxiety that goes into eating with every meal. 
I think it takes so much of the joy out of eating and eating can be such a joyous experience. And I mean, not every meal is going to be joyous. I mean, there are days like today where I just ran home from dropping my kiddo off at daycare, (laughs) grabbed something that was in the fridge. It was leftovers from the other night. Heated it up. It was delicious. I ate it probably a little bit too fast. It was not the most mindful experience, but it was delicious and it felt good in my body. And that was that. And then I moved on. I don't know if I would call that a joyous experience it doesn't need to be every single meal but overall like we should be enjoying our food and when that is you know that's not a thing anymore when we're not enjoying our food Mm -hmm. and we're kind of obsessing over it and wanting to be healthy but doing it in this way that is just to the extreme like you were describing I think that like you were saying, it can become it can be a, become a problem, and it's so sad to see. I know, just looking back at at my experience, and I started from this place of kind of this like low level orthorexia, where it was I just wanted to be healthy. I was a high schooler, and I was learning about nutrition, and I wanted to be healthy, and it very rapidly turned into an anorexia. But then later on in my journey, I did get to the point where I was just trying to be healthy. And it got to the point where I'm like, well, Mm -hmm. I can't go to that restaurant because nothing is like organic. I went through a phase where everything needed to be and organic foods are great. We eat a lot of organic foods now. I think that, you know, avoiding pesticides is probably great overall, but we don't obsess over it anymore. It's just a choice that we make for our family and we respect if other people don't, um, don't agree with that. And that's okay. But it's not something that prevents me from going out and living my life. And so I'm so glad that you you touched on that um, because I think that it's like you were saying even though it's not this like specific diet culture where you're on the Atkins diet it is so normalized now in our culture to Mm -hmm. have this low level obsession over food and this idea that like if you're not like crazy about your food intake if you're not like eating quote unquote, perfectly or doing quote unquote, good. I hear that from so many people I'm around where I'm like, oh, I'm just being bad today. And I'm like, no, 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 you're not bad because you chose the food that's satisfying to you. (laughs) Um, But it is so normalized that we think that we have to either obsess over our food, um, whether you're on a diet or not, or just, you know, eat whatever's in sight. So I'm really glad that you made that that kind of distinction that it can turn into something that's a real legitimate problem that can affect our lives. Yeah, and like even with your example from today of, you know, yeah, sure, there might not have been a whole lot of joy with eating, with just grabbing something real quick and like getting ready, you know, there are, I think it's recognizing times too that there's going to be times that you can't, put a whole lot of thought and energy and effort into making food. Sometimes there is that time and that's really beautiful and really fun for a lot of people, um, myself included. <laughs> but there's sometimes that, you know, it's to say that your life does not revolve around what you're eating. And so even if there are days that you have to be super practical and just grab something and eat it real quick because you have other things that you're doing and other things that you're Um, you know, other things that you're pouring into with your life, um, that, you know, that's, those are important. And food helps you to do all the things that you do. It helps you to have energy. um, But it's not the main part of your life. It's not the main, um, the main thought throughout your day. Um, So yeah, totally 100%. So I'm wondering, then, 
Were there specific things in your journey that really helped you move away from this like obsessive healthiness, right? Like really, really wanting to be healthy to the point of extreme, to the point of taking over your life, to this point of food freedom. I know that, you know, eventually you started learning about intuitive eating and getting into that, but there were, were there specific things that really helped you along your journey? Yeah, I would say a big thing was finally realize, realizing that I was putting a lot of energy and time into the way that I was eating and into this unhealthy relationship with food. Um, and I recognized that that time could have, it was because it was not, because it was taking up so much of my time in my life. Um, I wasn't able to fully enjoy some of the other things in my life. So I started to, um, just notice, just be kind of like a fly on the wall without people noticing that I was watching them, but I was really watching a lot of the people in my life and just noticing how free they seemed with food. Um, and just noticing that, you know, they were eating with more of this carefree kind of vibe and it wasn't, it wasn't negatively affecting them. Actually, they seemed a whole lot happier and full of joy, um, than I was. And so really just starting to, to learn from watching people. (laughs) And, uh, so that's why I always like to say, you know, who you fill your life with, either, either it, um, with social media and the people you're following on social media or the people who are in your, your practical life, like day to day you're running into, um, those people really matter. And so if you really want to, if you recognize that you're at that place where you maybe spend a little bit too much time and energy and mental space thinking about food and, you're recognizing that it's negatively affecting your health, whether it's your physical health or your mental health or some other area of your health. Um, Really just, it's important to kind of cleanse yourself of anyone who is um, not being a positive influence and really trying to fill your life with people who, who you can see in the same way that I did see living out this, this life of freedom, um, with food to some extent or another people who are, um, not body shaming all the time. And they're, they're able to kind of eat, eat fun foods. Like I think about when I was in college and I was living with, um, my junior and senior year, I lived in a house just off campus and it was six of us, six girls in this house. Um, so that was a lot of fun. That's a and lot I, of girls really, in one house. <laughs> it was a lot of girls. It was a lot of girls. Um, and we all just became such good friends. And I feel like that could go like one way with girls or another <laughs> <Totally>. way. But <laughs> but we actually really had such a great time and got close. We were like a family. We'd do dinners together. And I felt like I really learned a lot just from being around, um, you know, a lot of these girls who were not obsessing over food like I was like um we they would make popcorn on an evening just to watch a movie and I was that was like something that I wouldn't let myself do because it was I don't know I had all these rules around when I should eat and what I should eat and all those things so just to see that they were enjoying that and I was like actually getting a little jealous I was like oh I really want to 
enjoy that too. And I'm going to, and I'm going to see what happens. And I started to realize that branching out and getting a little bit out of my comfort zone and testing the waters of this whole freedom eating kind of thing and, and getting rid of these food rules, I started to experience that, you know what, it's, it's not as hard as I thought it would be. And actually, it's really enjoyable. And, and it feels, it feels good. It feels good, not only for my body, um, but for my mind and just to start to experience that, what it meant to break a couple of these rules, be a little bit of a, a diet culture rebel <laughs> um, with the rules that I had in my life previously. So yeah, that was a big turning point, I feel like. I think also my husband, my now husband, played a big role in me um, really experiencing in, uh, food freedom and getting to where I am today because um, he has a very good relationship with food. Um, and, uh, he really just helped me to be okay with going and getting seconds. And if I was still hungry or even if I wasn't super hungry, but I, it was good food and I just wanted to, he'd, he'd be like, you know what, go for it. And so like just wanting to enjoy food with him was also a big part of me, um, fully recovering. Cause I was like, you know what? this whole relationship with food that I had, I know that it would negatively affect my relationship with my uh, husband. And I didn't want that. And so that was another big motivator for me to make some changes. It's so powerful to have those people in your life who are normal eaters and to be able to see that and realize that, oh my gosh, there are people in this world who live healthy, fulfilled lives and and they don't obsess over food. And so I love that my husband had a, had a big part in, in my journey to, to food freedom as well, because he is just a very normal eater and food other than the fact that he has um, a food sensitivity that that affects him a little bit it's not a big deal for him he likes what he likes and he eats what he eats and he eats what he's hungry and he stops when he's full and sometimes he eats extra and it's just it's so beautiful to see and so I love hearing that from you too and I really love something that you said before about kind of cleansing yourself of any of that, you know, that negativity and surrounding yourself with positivity. And the first thing that that I thought of was like a negativity cleanse is like the only kind of cleanse you want to go on. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's so true. Yeah. Really, it just like moving away from those things that really affects you in a negative way and moving towards positivity, moving towards those people who are going to be that example of normal eating, whether, you know, we have the benefit of having somebody living in our home with us that's going to help us with that or just surrounding yeah. yourself with positivity on social media, which is, oh my gosh, so huge because it's, it, it is a, like, it is a task to get rid of all of the negativity mm -hmm. or as much of the negativity as you can on social media and really surround yeah. yourself with a positive. But I think that's so powerful, especially because it is so prevalent in our lives right now. Like, you know, Facebook, Instagram, whatever social media avenues you're on that, you know, the, you know, body shaming and, you know, diet culture or obsessive wellness is, is everywhere. And so especially in our, in our real life surrounding ourselves with, with that positivity is, is so important. So I love that you shared that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
there's something else that you've you've shared a little bit about on social media um, that your your faith had a lot to do with your path towards food freedom too. So I'm wondering how did having a strong faith play a role in your journey towards this this place of freedom with food? Yeah. Um, so for me, yes, my faith is is a huge part of my life now, and it was a huge part of my life then, um, and that's a little bit where that whole, you know, I know that with every story, every hardship that God has a purpose for it. So that's a little where, um, that came up earlier here in this conversation, um, that I feel like my story, even though it was really tough at certain parts and really hard, um, that it had a purpose in the end, um, that I didn't really know at the point at that time. But, um, yeah, I, so I feel like, like I said before, a lot of the times when we have some, some type of issue, um, in our lives and, and specifically here with me, it was with my relationship with food. Um, it kind of boiled down to a sin issue for me. Um, and so I feel like recognizing that, that I was not, um, I was not trusting God to be my provider and I wasn't trusting him to, uh, that, that he, that I didn't have to control what I was eating to be healthy, that he wanted me to live a healthy, strong life. Um, I think I, I had a lot of doubts of his goodness in, in those times. Um, and I didn't really recognize it at the time, but, um, through recognizing that, you know, there, there was a lot that he was exposing in me when I was going through the, this period of my life. Um, and still things that I deal with today, but just in different avenues like perfection and control. Um, so, um, yeah, I think it was just to have a spiritual background and to know in my heart that, you know, even though I am a failure in this certain area, um, I'm not a failure because I, um, I have this relationship with God who loves me, even though I've messed up. And, you know, I love what, um, Paul says in the Bible about our weaknesses being our strength when we are living with God. Um, and I really feel like that was the case that I had to recognize that I am weak. I really, you know, I'm not a strong person when I am trying to do things on my own. Um, and so giving up that mindset and really surrendering, um, was, was just this different, just this totally different level of, of healing that went on with me and really just grew me spiritually too. Um, and yeah, I, I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for everything that has gone on in my life and how I've been able to, grow in my faith and uh, help encourage others because, yeah, our faith does play a huge role in our relationship with food and our bodies because we know that our bodies were fearfully and wonderfully made. And we know that, you know, God made food and he made it for us to help keep us healthy. Um, but he had a whole such a such a bigger picture has such a bigger picture for how we live our lives than through this 
control of, of how we're eating. Yes, totally. And the reason the reason I want to dig in a little bit more um, to this idea of letting, allowing your faith and your spiritual journey to be part of your journey towards food freedom. Um, and when I say you are, I just mean whatever, whatever the listener is listening is because yeah. I think that especially um, even in like, you know, some of the, the Christian circles I've been a part of, it's, it, it almost feels like this, a relationship with food is, is so separate from our relationship mm-hmm. with God, but it's not, it's about yeah. our relationship with ourselves and our, you know, the, our bodies that, like you said, were created fearfully and wonderfully made by God. And so it, it has a hundred percent to do with our journey towards food freedom. If that is our, our story spiritually. And for, for those mm-hmm. of us who it is, it can play such a strong role in our journey. And, and I love that you mentioned, you know, Paul talking about our, our weakness being our strength and something that someone said to me, um, was, you know, when, when we are weak, we allow him to be, we have to allow him to be strong and that he can take, that God can take on, you know, anything. He can take on our journey to food freedom, but a lot of it is surrendering and, and trusting. So um, thank you for sharing that. Um, I appreciate oh, you, yeah. you sharing that as part of your journey because I think it, it is so big. And whatever someone's spiritual background mm-hmm. is, um, it is a part of it. It's a huge part of our yeah. journey. And it's, it's all related, right? These different mm-hmm. facets of... Of, like you were saying, these, these, you know, the puzzle pieces of your journey and then the puzzle pieces of putting things back together and healing, you know, from a spiritual mm-hmm. place, from a social place, from a social media place. And it, I think a lot of what this comes down to is that it is so not about the food. Like you were saying in the beginning, a lot of it, it's really, mm-hmm. it's about our, our mindset towards living a, a healthy life um, and what that really really truly means. Um, and, you know, something that I think really, really resonated with me is that you have a hashtag on Instagram that says hashtag redefining what healthy looks like. And yeah. I think as a nurse and a bar instructor, which I love, I was just telling my husband this morning that I need to get back into <laughs> our local bar class. You're a little far for me to take your bar class, but we uh, do have a I local know. bar studio. Wish you were closer. I wish you were closer. <laughs> oh, I'd love to take your class. It's so fun. <laughs> um, but I'm wondering, what does this mean to you now? So this idea of, okay, so you went from this space of this, you know, orthorexia, anorexia, this idea of wanting to be healthy and live a healthy life and having this passion for health as a nurse and as somebody who wants to live a full life and and serve God to the fullest and serve her family and be a good wife and all of these things, Um, but not doing it or not approaching it from this place of obsession. So what does redefining what healthy looks like mean to you? Mm, Such a good question. Um, Yeah, for me, you know, I feel like it's healthy looks so different. If you look online and Google, you know, what does it look like? Or how do you how do you live a healthy life? You're gonna you're gonna end up with all of these different rules. Um, Or if you listen to the news, you're gonna hear these um, differing and controversial different um, things saying one thing's good one day and one thing's healthy one day and one thing's not healthy the next day. And so it's going to be really confusing. Um, But when we truly listen to 
ourselves. Um, and we have a basis of knowledge about how to care for our bodies with food and exercise and sleep and rest and um, all these other facets that are included in living a healthy life. Um, you know, that is really where we discover what healthy looks like. Um, and that it's not going to look the same for everybody. It's going to look different for me than it looks like for you, Chris. Um, and it's going to look different for our, you know, the listeners. Um, and so it's really just letting yourself be the, the expert on your body and being able to tune into what your body's telling you. Um, and really honoring what you hear with that, which is one thing to kind of understand or like tune into what's going on in your body, but another thing to actually act upon that. Um, and yeah, it's, it's for me, this whole idea of redefining what healthy looks like. It's really about finding that place, that gray space. Um, I think the gray space kind of concept is so huge because it's so much easier to really think about things in black and white to, you know, just in just black and white um, because it feels a little bit more safe. Gray space is so much more vague and open to um, you have to, you have to do some work to figure it out yourself. Um, But it really is where we kind of take in all of the different aspects of living healthy life. So your mental space, your physical body, your spiritual self, um, your, even your environment, taking all of those aspects together and letting that be what helps to redefine what health looks like for you, as opposed to a lot of times people just focus on the food or just focus on the food and the exercise. Um, so it's really just having more of this holistic viewpoint and recognizing that there is room for that gray space when we are talking about living a healthy life. I love that concept of that gray space because it is so often, you know, we think that things have to be one way or another way, but there is no one way or another way when really t- tuning into to ourselves and 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 relying on that. And I love that you've said a couple of times it's about us being the expert of our own bodies because it's true. So many of us don't have that that trust in order to be the experts of our own bodies. But it's it's that process, right? And yeah, there, totally. Yeah, there was um, there's something else that you said um, that reminded me of something I wanted to to chat with you about because I, I love your blog by the way I didn't mention that you have a blog and, and you oh. have some some really really fabulous blog posts and there was one that you wrote a little while back and it really really resonated with me and I think this relates so well to this idea of needing to find this gray space and allow yourself to become the expert of your own body but that it can be uncomfortable to find that space because it mm. is countercultural, we think that things need to be in black and white. It's either healthy or unhealthy, but there is a gray space where we do become the expert of our own bodies, but it requires this choice 
to become uncomfortable and to find this space. And so you wrote this post a little while back on this concept of choosing to be uncomfortable. And one of the things you said that really resonated with me was that growth is a choice. You can choose to grow in yourself as a person or you can choose not to grow. No one is holding you back except yourself and possibly your fear of getting uncomfortable. So how can getting uncomfortable help us grow? In our relationship with food, in our relationship with ourselves, in finding this gray space, or what I like to call this, your beautiful balance. Yeah, so getting uncomfortable, it's it's kind of this inevitable place that we have to go in order to grow. Um, because when we are wanting to do something different, and I talked earlier about that difference between recognizing that you need to change and actually fulfilling that and actually acting on that, that there that's really hard. Um, and so, so often people can just stay in this like, Oh, I need to change, but I don't know how, or I'm, you know, it's, it's too difficult. I, I don't have time or, you know, we come up with these excuses and I'm talking about myself too. That post was because I, don't like to get uncomfortable. <laughs> I don't um, think anyone does. Any of us, yeah, <laughs> none of us like to get uncomfortable. And so um, really what that looks like, though, is um, with it in relation to uh, in working on your, your relationship with food and honestly, anything that you're wanting to work on in your life, um, it requires some next steps and it requires some steps out of your comfort zone. Um, and it requires you to be bold and be brave and, um, you know, do something that's challenging. And, um, you know, I always want to encourage people to do that thing that's uncomfortable because honestly, I've, I've seen a lot of fruit from it in my own life and heard of other people, you know, in the people that I've worked with too, um, that when you do that thing, that's uncomfortable, it's not it's oftentimes uncomfortable just for a period of time. And so I think recognizing that it is, it, it is short lived and we think it's going to be forever that we're going to be in this uncomfortable place, but it's short lived um, in the long run. And the result at the end is so rewarding. Um, I think a, a recent example of me, I think it was probably around when I wrote that post, actually, I was, going through training to become a bar three instructor. Um, and I was kind of like in between the training and there was a time that I was like, you know what, this is too hard. This is too much work. I don't have enough time for this. Um, and I was really stressed out, but in my heart, I knew that it was something that would challenge me in a way that I really wanted to be challenged. And I knew that it would put me in this position to be an influence to people in the way that I wanted to influence people in the way that they're moving their body and thinking about their body and connecting with their body. So I knew it was this good thing and I wanted it, but it was really challenging. And there was a time that I almost gave up. And then I recognized, you know what, this is one of those places that is uncomfortable, but I, for, I foresee that the result at the end is going to be so worth it. And so I think just recognizing, just like any time in our lives that 
we go through a difficult a difficult time and you can think back into your past and think about a time that was difficult and just recognizing that you know that time was short lived um you know in short lived or maybe it was long lived but it ended at a certain point and usually you grow from those periods of time. Um, so yeah, that was, that was a little example of one of my recent places where I really had to get uncomfortable and I'm so grateful that I did. And, um, uh, just, just learned so much through that experience. And I think it's just, it also just involves being open to learning about yourself. Um, and just learning from those hardships, having an open mind to always be in this this place of learning um, and yeah, just being almost like a student of yourself. So, yeah, I love that. I love the concept of of coming at our lives from a place of curiosity rather than fear. And so much of that is this choice to allow ourselves to become uncomfortable so we can learn about ourselves and I think that's that's so huge and yeah we never regret when we learn about ourselves I I really don't I really truly think that you know everything is a learning experience and if we approach life as everything is a learning experience I'm growing from everything even if it feels like (laughs) like I'm not you know everything Mm -hmm. everything's a learning experience and the same is so true with our journey in intuitive eating and you know, finding our version of healthy and redefining what healthy looks like for us is, is it's all a learning experience. Yes, it definitely is. So I wanted to switch gears a little bit because you are in a really special stage of life right now. And I do believe (laughs) you are the, you are definitely, you're the first podcast guest that, no, you're the second podcast guest, but you're the first one talking about intuitive eating who has been on, who is pregnant. So congratulations. (laughs) You're having a little boy, right? I am. Yes. We found out last weekend. So exciting. You announced it on Instagram, so I figured it was okay to share it on the podcast. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, so I'm very I, proud of my little boy already. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. And so I'm wondering, um, because for myself, you know, I have I have two very different pregnancy stories. And because mm-hmm. I've had two little girls and for for one of them, I was in a space of more intuitive eating. A lot of my journey happened after I was pregnant. But the other one, I was certainly still in this place of you know, orthorexia and obsessing over food and, and that really affected my my journey. So I'm wondering for you, for somebody who has been on this journey with, you know, finding this place of food freedom and balance, how has pregnancy changed the way you view food and your body and health? Mm. Yeah, I feel like it's just, honestly, it's taught me even more. I think, I mean, we're never ever done learning about our bodies because they're always changing and my body is changing right now. So that's been really fun. Um, but yeah, it's just, you know, I, at the beginning when I first was pregnant in my first trimester, I was having the weirdest cravings in the world. Um, I was craving bratwurst and sauerkraut, uh, very specific. (laughs) And then are you um, German? Like, did you have um, any like German heritage? (laughs) Um, my family, my dad's side is Dutch. So I, I did do, I did grow up sometimes like 4th of July, we do bratwurst and, but like, I hadn't had them in forever. That's so funny. I love it. I'm craving bratwurst. 
Um, pregnancy is weird. Pickles <laughs> and yeah, pregnancy is so weird. Um, and you know, lots of fried food and lots of like carbs and meat. And I despised vegetables for the first chunk of my pregnancy. Um, and it just honestly, it felt really weird because I was like, this is not me. This does not like, this is not how I typically eat, but I went with it. And I, you know, partly because I felt like I would gag if I had, if I Mm -hmm. ate vegetables. Um, so I just went with it and I was like, you know what, I got to nourish this baby some way. And, um, going with these cravings is part of that. And so I really just, um, let myself enjoy it. Um, and, um, yeah, but it, it wasn't, it was an interesting place to be. Cause like I said, I was like, I just didn't really feel like myself. Um, thankfully now I feel like I can eat a little bit more normally, uh, to how I previously ate. So I'm really enjoying that. Um, but yeah, it's just, it is this amazing mindset shift because I like, I think back to, you know, many years ago when food was really just the mindset was more like, how, how can I go about my day with eating as few calories as possible? Um, and still make it through the day as opposed to now. Um, it's, it's like, you know, food is part of what is growing my baby and it's important. And, um, uh, you know, of course eating quality is important, but I'm a firm believer in, you know, just being really in tune with your hunger and there is some increase in hunger that I've experienced. So just letting myself be free with that and, and trust my body. It's, um, I think it's just developed this, just a little bit of a different and deeper trust with, okay, you know, I, my body is growing this baby and I'm not really doing a whole lot like to make it happen. Um, and so there's a lot of trust involved and trusting that my body knows best with food has been one of those places. I think I've talked to so many, I've talked to so many women before who have been pregnant and sort of feel that same, that same sentiment that like, they're almost forced into trusting their body, which sounds terrible, but like, because you, you have to, because your body is going to respond and it responds so much more powerfully, I think when you're pregnant than any other time, it's because you're like, you know, if I eat a vegetable, I'm going to gag. And so right now that's not going to work for my body. So I love that you shared that. And I I think it can be, I mean, not everyone is going to be pregnant and it's not everyone's story, but it can be a really powerful time of learning to tune into your body and, and appreciate your body's inner wisdom and having to trust your body because it is going to respond. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it, unfortunately, they're just like in the rest of our culture, there's a lot of, um, guilt that goes into like pregnancy and motherhood and just that whole, that whole space. And, um, you know, just, um, you know, (laughs) I feel like there's a lot of, you know, eat this, don't eat this and stress about this. Don't stress about this, you know, but I think when we get, I I'm really trying to just keep all of my knowledge about intuitive eating and the way that I was living my life and, previously and my relationship with food and just apply it to this pregnancy. And of course there's certain things that you um, are encouraged to not 
eat because they can be harmful to the baby. Um, but you know, just, just this whole different mindset. Um, but also being at a place where you're going to nourish your baby. You don't have to stress about it, about whether or not you're eating enough nutrition for your baby. Likelihood is you are, if you are tuning into your body, um, and listening, um, like I said before, I had to do a lot of trusting in that first trimester um, because even though the baby probably needed some vegetables, I was not able to provide that. So that is where a multivitamin comes into play. <laughs> um, uh, so grateful for It really is all about that balance, right? Where your body will find that space of regulating itself later on down the line. Your baby is going to get what your baby needs. Our bodies are so powerful. And I think that it is a lot about just trusting that, well, I'm, at least I'm taking my prenatal and, you know, come yeah. the second trimester, maybe I'll feel like eating a few more vegetables and maybe not. You know, some women are nauseous their whole pregnancy and they don't eat a single green thing right. their entire pregnancy. But our bodies are so powerful. And like God designed them to be able to grow a baby, even in, you know, even when we are malnourished, it takes from us more than it, than it, mm -hmm. it um, it's not going to take from the baby. It'll, it'll give to the baby, whatever we have. So, I mean, we're not necessarily yeah. doing ourselves well by not eating. I'm not saying that there is like shoulds and shouldn'ts around eating other than, you know, those totally. foods that could be dangerous. But I mean, like, if we never eat a vegetable and, you know, <laughs> we're a little bit low, at least our babies will still be good. And we can trust that. And we can trust that yeah. our bodies are, are going to take care of our babies. And that we will, when we get back to a place where we're feeling a little bit better, we'll be able to, you know, listen to our bodies um, in a different way, not better or worse, but um, everything's a season, right? And pregnancy is just a different season mm -hmm. in life and just a different opportunity to be able to to trust that our bodies know what to do. I think it's it's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's been a very enjoyable experience. <laughs> it's so fun. And and though, you know, we're all done with our, our two sweet little girls, it's so fun to, to talk to women who, who are pregnant, who are going through this, and encourage them, um, both myself and hear their own journeys, um, because everyone's experience when they're pregnant, just like everyone's experience with intuitive eating and motherhood is so, is so different, um, but it's, it's so powerful like experiencing, mm. experiencing these, these changes in our body. And then you get a baby at the end, which is so fun. <laughs> and then you have a whole new yeah. set of challenges that, <laughs> that come along yep. with that. <laughs> but good ones. Really lots that. of learning, lots of learning in that new phase also. <laughs> totally. <Yep. laughs> so yep. something, something I was thinking about as you were, you were sharing um, about already being, being proud of this, this little boy that you have growing inside you. What do you wish for? Your, your little guy growing up and, you know, what kind of wisdom do you want to pass on to him in terms of, of his body and growing up and, and eating intuitively? Yeah, I, I really just hope to be an example of someone who is proud of my body um, and doesn't talk badly about it. And so I hope to just create this environment for my child now and future children, um, because that's so important. I feel like even though my family never said anything negative about my body growing up, just the talk between them um, about their own bodies was, was pretty detrimental to my 
relationship with my body as I was when I was younger. Um, and so just knowing that, knowing that the conversation that I have about my body is really important for my children to have a healthy relationship with their bodies. Um, so I just hope, I guess the wisdom is that they will recognize that they are strong in their bodies and they can trust their bodies and, um, that, you know, they, they have a certain expertise that even I don't fully understand as their parent, um, because we're each individual beings. Um, so just being able to let them have that, of course, being able to, to parent them and help teach them, but, but letting them recognize that they do have this certain wisdom even from a young age. So I truly believe that about children that, you know, they can be, um, they can be experts of their own body, just like you or I, you and I can be. So, yeah. That's so beautiful. I love that because they can, they are, they're just tiny humans (laughs) and they have the same wisdom we do. And just fostering that is so important. So uh, I know that was kind of a wild card. I just thought of that being something (laughs) that I really wanted. I really wanted to ask you. I love that. So with that, because I am a foodie at heart and I really, truly want to share food in a way that is joyful, I have three final questions to ask you that are sort of rapid fire. You can take as long as you want, um, but they're a little bit quicker. Um, So the first question is, what is your favorite thing to cook? Oh, goodness. Uh, (laughs) A lot of things. Um, I would say I love, this is not something specific, but I just love trying out a fun new recipe, um, just like finding something online. Lately, I am really loving Pinch of Yum and Cookie and Kate, um, both of their blogs. And so I would say just anything from there, just picking it if I haven't tried it before and just experimenting in the kitchen with something new. I don't I love trying something new. I don't love repeating all the time um, when I'm cooking. I, I feel like that's good, but it's not super special. Something super special to cook is something I've never tried before that looks fun and yummy. So I can share what I'm going to be cooking this week that's new and fun and yummy, if yeah. that helps you. <laughs> totally. Share what you're going to um, try this week. Yeah. I'm going to make this pumpkin because it's fall and getting, getting in the season here. Um, some, it's a pumpkin creamy pasta with some, uh, rosemary walnut crispies on top. Oh my gosh. Get out. (laughs) I am not (laughs) even kidding you. I am making that for dinner tonight. I was just going to say it's a pinch of yum recipe, right? Cause I have it, I have it like tagged, I'm like bookmarked on my computer and I'm not even kidding you. And I was on my way here. I was like, what did I have planned for dinner tonight? And I was like, oh yeah. Cause my, my six year old and I were going through a bunch of these recipes that I had planned for blogs. And that is something I'm I'm making that for dinner tonight. I love that. (laughs) I think I'm making it tomorrow. So tell me how it is. Yeah, I will. (laughs) We're going to have to compare notes. (laughs) That is awesome. Oh my gosh. So, so anyone who's listening, check in with us and see if you if we liked this recipe and you can go ahead and try it too yeah yeah. recipes are really great so I love that I love that you love to experiment because that's something that I love to do too and just with the busyness of our schedules I don't get to do as much anymore but it is so fun to experiment and try new things in the kitchen yeah 
So yeah, totally. my second question then is what is your favorite thing to order or have someone else cook for you? Um, so there is this awesome Indian takeout place down the street from us and it is called, I forget what it's called. Um, anyway, <laughs> it's really good. Something wrap and roll. Um, Calcutta, that's what it is. Calcutta wrap and roll. Um, and they have delicious chicken tikka masala and naan bread. And, um, that's probably, it's just like so warm and good for like a cozy evening at home watching Netflix and, um, just hanging out and, um, kind of sad because I think they're moving to North Carolina soon. Um, so I'm going to have to try to get some, some more of that in my life here soon, but yeah, that's, it's delicious. I love Indian food and we do not have a great Indian food restaurant close by. I, I live on an island and there is a place about like 45 minutes away, but it's that's a little far to drive for like a weeknight cozy dinner. <laughs> but I love Indian food. Yeah. So I love that. Well, hopefully you mm -hmm. find another place if, if your place moves away. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. So my last question I have for you is that um, we talk a lot here about finding what I like to call your beautiful balance, which is really what we've talked about today. And it's going beyond obsessing over food and finding nourishment and pleasure in food and in life. So what does your beautiful balance mean to you? Yeah, so for me, it really means um, giving myself permission to... Uh, when I wake up in the morning, if I have a set, uh, if I have a set schedule for how I think my day is going to go, uh, sometimes, as people probably know, sometimes it go your day goes as planned, and that's great. But sometimes it doesn't, and you wake up um, and maybe don't feel a hundred percent, or don't feel like um, doing all the things that you had thought that you could do. Um, and of course there's some things on that like work that maybe you're required to do, but, um, but as best possible, I like to just give myself the option to listen to my body. And if, if that means, um, you know, if I had something like an exercise routine or, you know, going to an exercise class, if I had that planned, but wake up and feel a certain way and, and it, I recognize that it wouldn't feel good in my body. I give myself the permission to make some changes. So, yeah, so for me that that balance really means, you know, even when it comes to food, um if I have one idea of how I think my day is going to go, being open still to um that changing and being open to some flexibility with my day. I love that. Permission and flexibility. That is really beautiful. And I think really encouraging. That's a really great place to end for, for anyone who I am so like you, where I like to have a schedule and I like to have some sort of structure to my day, but it really is just about tuning into what we need in the day and in the moment. So I love that. Yeah. So to, to close out, can you just share where my listeners can find you share all about your new podcast, embracing balance and, and all of the places. Sure. Yeah. So my personal um, Instagram is uh, at Yates underscore Victoria underscore. Um, so I don't know if you're able to tag that or put the link underneath, but you guys can find me there. I love being 
um, connecting with people on Instagram and getting to know you all. I would love to connect with you. Um, and then I also, as you mentioned, Chris, um, I have a blog and website that you can find more about. Um, you can read more about intuitive eating and um, more about my approach as well as um, learn about if you're interested in, in doing work one-on-one, I have some info there also. Um, and then also, yeah, as you mentioned, uh, I have uh, a podcast that me and my co-host Catherine Herbison just launched and it's called the Embracing Balance Podcast. Um, and it, yeah, it just launched today. So, um, uh, probably a month out, um, when this goes live, but, um, it's all about, uh, figuring out what this whole concept of balance is, um, and, um, learning how to really just tune into your body to kind of figure that out for yourself, um, and live, um, live a life that is, more filled with joy and um, where you have a better understanding of your role as an expert of your own body. So um, yeah, those are a couple of places that you can find me. And um, thanks so much, Chris, for having me here. This has been such an honor. Hey mama, do the holidays bring up more anxiety than they do holly jolly? Do you feel a little more like the Grinch than Santa Claus when it comes to thinking about holiday parties and how you're going to survive all of them? And all the food? Or maybe you feel a lot more like Santa Claus and you're worried you're going to go for the cookies at every house again this year and end up on January 1st diving headfirst into a cookie cleanse. Back to the on-again, off-again cycle once more. Here's the deal. There are a lot of so-called experts out there who give you bad advice around controlling yourself around food around the holidays. But the truth is, the more we try to control, the more out of control we become. So how do you survive the holidays, feeling good, making choices that actually serve you, eating just enough cookies to feel good, and singing like Cindy Lou Who on Christmas morning? Join me on November 29th for a healthy, balanced holiday, a free webinar all about worrying less about food and enjoying the season more. Click the link in the show notes to join and have a hollier, jollier, less stressed, and less obsessed holiday. Thank you, friends, so much for listening to this episode of the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. I truly hope it encouraged and inspired you today to live a healthier life without restriction. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you do me a huge favor and give it a star rating and review in iTunes? Every rating, review, and subscribe helps this podcast be seen and heard by more women who need to hear it. You can find me, Kristen, on Instagram and Facebook at Healthy Mama Chris or on my website, healthymamachris.com. As a reminder, the information and opinions on this podcast are intended for information and inspiration only and are not a substitute for professional medical advice or treatment. Please consult with your healthcare practitioner before making any changes. See you in the next episode.